Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you uh, caught my first hour because I had uh, exceptional guests on. I was joined by Doug Blair from the Daily Signal and Dr. Michael Youssef joined me. He's got a new book called Never Give Up, so that's been uh, fun. If you missed any of that, you can go to myfaithradio.com. But this hour, Dr. Glenn Pickering is joining me, and we're going to be talking today about breaking out of slavery because I know at some point you've been stuck right. and we're all slave to certain thoughts and patterns. We're going to talk about that today. If I look on the back of Dr. Glenn Pickering's baseball card, it says engineer, <laughs> it says pastor, it says counselor, it says uh, seminar leader, it says all-around smart guy. And we're glad to have him with us. Glenn, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, when we're stuck, what do we do? Well, that's a darn good question. But one of the things I think to myself all the time is when I feel he's stuck, it's important to remember I stand in good company. <laughs> like you can't read the Psalms without seeing this, that being stuck just means I don't like where I am and I don't see a way forward. So Psalm 3 says, basically, you know, my foes are all around me. They're saying, you, there's no salvation for you. Number five says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm groaning. Number six talks about I'm languishing here. My bones are troubled. I mean, it's like the Psalms are not afraid to start off acknowledging this is a hard place I'm in. And me of my own self, I am not seeing a way forward. And I'm feeling really stuck in this hard place. And um, so I just want to say, if you're feeling stuck, that we tend to sort of condemn ourselves or judge ourselves when we feel like that. That's just important to understand. This is the thing that happens. And the Psalms are so clear about mm-hmm. it, that we will find ourselves at times where we feel like, I really don't like where I am, and I don't see a way forward. And I'm feeling really stuck here. And I think to myself all the time, we're all slaves to certain sort of thoughts and behavior patterns that we would literally just get stuck in. And, you know, the Apostle Paul acknowledged the same thing in Romans 7. He said, I don't do the good I want, but the evil I don't want is what I do. And I think it's for this reason. Us humans take huge comfort in the status quo. We sort of like things to stay the way we know them, even if we know they're not good. I, I can't help but read, for example, so... You know, the Hebrew people are in Egypt. They have to work 12 hours a day building the Pharaoh's temple. They're getting beaten. They only get one meal a day. And then Moses comes along, really makes the Pharaoh mad. And now they have to work 18 hours a day. They have to gather the straw by sides, building the bricks, and they get whipped while they're doing that, and they still only get one meal a day. So Moses comes along. God is leading them. The Red Sea parts, for goodness sakes. God is leading them by day or by night. They can't possibly think I'm on the wrong trail. And three days into the story, the murmuring narrative starts. <laughs> when people say, we don't have enough food, we don't have enough water. Are you trying to kill us? We should go back. And they say this line, which just makes me just smile and cry at the same time. Because at least we got one meal every day. It's like we literally will come up with the craziest excuses to do nothing, to sort of mm. stay where we are, to go back in our old patterns just because they're comfortable for us. They're known, not comfortable like we like them. 
just comfortable like this is known to me. This is my comfort zone. And our transformational <laughs> God, as I was calling it, out of our comfort zone. Because mm-hmm. the one thing that ever happens in my comfort zone is transformation. That's why it's so comfortable. Nothing ever changes. Yeah. So. Sounds like we're little rubber bandish. We kind of want to snap back. We just want to snap back, don't we? Right. Yes. And if that wasn't true, I'd only have to go to church once. <laughs> right. Right. I need to keep being reminded in singing and prayer and song and preaching and community about whose I am and who I am and where we're going and why we're doing it, because otherwise we just fall back in our old ways. Glenn, is this a blind spot? Um, I don't I mean, know. Are we sitting there having these thoughts going, I, w- I just want to get back to comforting thoughts, even though they're not helpful? Right, yes, because then I know what's going to happen. I just think we love feeling like we can predict the future. We love feeling like we're in control of stuff. This is why, honest to goodness, the hardest things for us Christians to understand and really actually get our arms around is that God's love for us is a gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't do it. We didn't make it happen. But we just like to think we're in control, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, and the more things stay the same, the more we feel like, well, see, we are in control. I know what's going to happen. And it's like, wow. What what are we craving? Are we craving safety? Are we craving, what what are we wanting? That's a darn good question. See, I just think that little human part of me, that ego part of me, really likes to think it's all about me. And people used to ask me, well, Glenn, how do we get that way? But I think, see, we don't get that way. We start that way. Who who does every three-year-old think the world is all about? Them. Right. Everything revolves around me. And part of our maturity is we're supposed to get less and less thinking that and more and more remembering, no, we're part of something way bigger than ourselves. But there's a part of us that never quits thinking, really, it should be all about me. And we make things all about us when it's not. So people say, Glenn, God loves you. It's a total gift. And I think, oh, uh-huh. And then, honestly, if I'm not careful, a Pharisee thought enters my mind. So I want to make sure I don't do X, Y, or Z because I don't want to lose God's love. Like, somehow that's up to me. It's just crazy. But... We like to think it. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you say that, uh, that our transformational God wants to call us out of that comfort zone. Right. Always over yeah. and over and over again. I think um, if you think about the whole process of sanctification, that's what it really is. So there's this moment in time where I'm justified, where I just really get, even if it's only for a moment, that I really am beloved of God, that I really am his precious kid, and that he loves me no matter what, that's done. And the instant I say yes to that... My life changes in a beginning sort of way. Like I'm driving to Des Moines and I got in the car, which is good. You can't get to Des Moines if you don't get in the car. But then there's this whole process of getting to Des Moines. And I just think in the whole rest of our life is where we're supposed to get better and better and deeper and deeper living out that thing we knew for an instant at the beginning. So that it becomes not just an instant that happened, but literally more and more and more the way that we live our life, like based on knowing that that's really right. Mm-hmm. So we're... We're constantly being called to be growing and maturing in faith, and that's what sanctification is all about. And so if I'm just if I'm just stuck in my comfort zone, um, then it's like, see, none of that maturing, none of that growing, none of that sanctifying process ever actually happens. I literally get in the way of the work that God is trying to do in my life. So we like to hang on to the known, but that is really not God's goal for us. If we want transformation, what does it take for us to be reinforced that the change is working and that we're going to be confident we can stay in the new 
the new zone, so to speak? You know, I, that's a great question. I love all those old call narratives in the Old Testament, all those stories where God or an angel comes down to earth, calls somebody to go do some mighty work. And there are like six steps in every one of those stories, basically. And first they don't believe it and they blow God off. But God's like, no, no, I'm going to be with you. And they say, okay. And then just before they start, they say, can I have a sign? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, because I just think even when we accept our transformation, even when we know God really is putting something in my heart this day, hey, call your brother. Okay. It's so helpful if we have little signs along the way that nudge us, oh, that really is right, because it's so easy for us to doubt ourselves and to get a little lazy, to be honest, and to not sort of get up and do that thing that God just put in our heart. So mm-hmm. I do think... When people say, Glenn, is it okay to ask for a sign? I think, wow, read the Bible. Not, not sarcastically. It's like literally every great leader, the people who are literally the heart of the faith, were always asking to get a sign. Mm-hmm. And God's always glad to do it. Mm. What if you're in this season of trying to be in this new zone of transformation and right. your team says, uh, people in your circle of, of influence says, oh, Glenn, I thought you were, uh, were going to change. It seems like uh, that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh, I know. See, I think it's really important to acknowledge, yeah, it might not have. I, uh, you know, I have this little granddaughter who I adore. And when she first started walking, she pulled herself up on the couch and then fell down. Pulled herself up on the couch, took a step and then fell down. I just think, right, if we're in the process of transformation, that's what it's going to look like. There will be a lot more falling down than running at the front end. But unless I'm willing to take those steps and fall down and learn something... I'm not going to get to the point where I run. So I have to be willing to go through that process. And to other people can't get all sarcastic and say, oh, Glenn, you're still just the same. But I have to know in my heart, no, God has me on a path. And I need to be serious about that path. Mm-hmm. Glenn, talk about Galatians 5.1, using your freedom in Christ. I love that. I, um, so Paul says, have you come back to slavery already? Like, what? come on, you guys. You know God's love is a gift. You know it's freely given. You know you've received that gift. So why are you now going back to acting like you have to earn it somehow? And I just think, see, this is what you're talking about, about that rubber band. We all go back to thinking, oh, but it really is about me, right? It's about me. I have to do all the right things, right? And Paul's like, how can you go back into slavery once you've glimpsed freedom? Mm-hmm. We really get God adores you exactly as you are. How could you be, be tempted to go back into that way of thinking? But honestly, our ego is pretty intense, and our ego likes to think it's about us. Mm -hmm. So we need to replace our wrong thoughts with a loving Christ thought. Right. Where are these inventory of thoughts going to come from? Thank you. Here's what I think all the time to myself. You know, you've heard me talk a million times about what I call think, feel, do. Like our thinking drives our feelings, and our feelings drive our behavior. So if I want to change my behavior, I don't start by trying to change my behavior. I start by trying to change my thinking. So... Um, when it says in Romans 12, too, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, I think, right. And when it says in Second Corinthians, we're supposed to take every thought captive, I think, right. Here's what that means. It doesn't mean we're trying to get rid of that thought. That never works, ever. I've said before on the show that, you know, if I'm in the darkness and I hate the darkness, I lash out against the darkness, I fight against the darkness, at the end of that time, I'm still in the dark. Or I could turn on the light. So, just important to understand, no matter what, if I don't like the thoughts that are going through my head and the behavior that that's creating, I need to be willing to not try and fight against that thought or get rid of that thought. I need to understand my job is to replace that thought. So if somebody says to me, Glenn, don't even think of that pink elephant. Try really hard to not think of that pink elephant. 
or trying hard not to think about that pink elephant just means I'm totally focused on that pink elephant. Mm-hmm. But if instead I look at my granddaughter, daughter, wife, friend, and think, oh, man, you're amazing. I love you so much. You're so great. There's so many good things about you. I'm so grateful. See, that pink elephant's nowhere in my head. I don't get rid of a thought by fighting against it. I get rid of a thought by asking God to help me replace it with any loving thought. Any loving thought will work. It, it doesn't even matter what loving thought. Because God is the light. And so anytime I turn to God and ask it for any help, it will always be a thought. It will be a loving thought where the light turns on. And I think, right. Because in the darkness, I could fight that. Or I could just turn on the light, like I said. Because in the light, there is no darkness. Mm-hmm. So I just need to understand. Anytime I'm stuck in a pattern... I can be sure I have a thought that has me stuck there. That's why my behavior keeps being the same. So I need to ask myself, okay, what are the thoughts, a judgmental thought, critical thought, harsh thought, even a lazy thought? (laughs) And if I was going to let God replace that with a loving thought, any loving thought, what would that look like? I like. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and if you're in the car, like, Jack and Karen are right now driving, listening. Uh, you might be thinking, these are great notes, but how would I write them down? Because I'm in the car. So here's what you do. You go to drglennpickering.com, and under the resources, there's a media tab, and his notes for today's uh, show are right there. You can download them, have a copy yourself. So we'll continue our discussion on, what is it, pink elephants? Yes, that's yeah, right. That's, what, something I, that's all I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> No, when you're feeling stuck and you need to break out of slavery, that's the topic of today. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining me and Rosie today here at the studio. We've got Dr. Glenn Pickering here with us, and we're awfully glad to be talking about when you're stuck and how to break out of slavery. So, Glenn, let's talk about getting unstuck stuck in our relationships. Great. Thank you very much. Um, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, you've heard it said you shall not kill, but I tell you that anyone who's had hateful fosters with brother and sister is basically already in a state of sin. And... Um, like so many of his things that he said, it's all true and a little shocking. Like it literally forces us to think differently about what sin even looks like. And, um, you know, I talked to, uh, earlier on the show about, you know, needing to get out of our comfort zone. And Jesus was always pushing people to think differently, not meanly, not harshly, just differently. Like you can't hold on to that same old thought and think you're going to have a new emotion and a new behavior. You have to be willing to change that thought. So, for example, you can't have a hateful, condescending, judgmental, you know, sort of tag-playing thought towards your brother and sister and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, those two are incompatible. I literally can't do one and the other. So how do you clip the wires on that judgmental, condescending thought? Because, you know, if you clip it wrong, the thing (laughs) blows up. You always see that in the movies, right? And the clock is ticking and a lot of sweating going on. Yeah, love that. Yes, I think to myself all the time, those judgmental, harsh, critical, condemning thoughts have to be replaced with the truth about myself and about them. I need to remember, I'm not here to judge everybody else. 
I mean, the scriptures are so clear. You know, why do you judge your brother when you yourself are committing the same sin? Why, I mean, over and over and over again. I'm, I'm here to live my life as lovingly as I can do it. And I need to remember that is who I am. I'm God's loving child, and I'm here to live my, live my life as lovingly as I can do it. So that whole judgmental thing means I'm not living my life well. But I'm also not seeing my brother or sister right. They are also that precious child of God who's so perfect in his sight. And if I look at them harshly or judgmentally with that condemning spirit, I am literally not seeing my brother and my sister. I'm not. I'm seeing a problem. I'm seeing a thing. I'm seeing an irritation to me. But I'm not seeing my brother or my sister. I'm not. And so, again, if I'm in a wrong, if I'm stuck in a relationship, it's just not going the way I want it to, like we talked about in the Psalms at the beginning, I don't like where I am, don't see a way forward, I can be clear that I'm either not seeing myself correctly or I'm not seeing my brother or sister correctly. And I'm going to have to change my thinking about me and about them in order to move past that stuck place. So we have to come back to the truth. And, you know, you've heard me talk a million times on the air about what I call being a second responder. You know, we have these sort of knee-jerk things that we say sometimes because we're not thinking. And um, and that if we want to live lovingly, I have to give myself those two seconds to let my actual truth show up so I can say that. And, um, God, I was just reading in Proverbs today. It's like Proverbs 16, 19, 29, 11, 29, 20. Over and over again, it talks about um, be slow to anger. In other words, be careful about what you say. Not careful like you're so shut down you can't talk, but like thoughtful. Like don't be thoughtless. Choose your words carefully. And um, and I just think, mm, without going too much into detail, last time I was on the show, Bill, I know I was actually hurtful to you because I wasn't thinking. I said something sort of in passing about um, near-death experiences, people who die, cross over, and come back, tell us what it's like. And you said very clearly, I don't really like that, or I don't want to talk about that, or however you said it, very clearly, very simply. And I, instead of giving myself two seconds, I think, oh, okay, we can talk about something else, which, you know, had my brain been turned on, that's what it was said. But my brain wasn't turned on, so I said some dumb flipping thing, which I could see on your face was hurtful to you. And, um, and I just think, see, it's exactly what James is trying to talk about, what Proverbs is trying to talk about. We get in one relationship probably not because of what we do, but mostly because of what we don't do. We don't give ourselves that one or two or three seconds to make sure that what we're saying is what we want to say. And uh, Ben Franklin said what about repenting in an instant and, you know, um, or sitting in an instant and repenting at leisure. Like It's like you do that one thing because for two seconds you don't give yourself time to think, and then later on it's like, oh, God, what did I do? That was so foolish of me. So... A, I just want to acknowledge that that happened because otherwise I have no integrity talking about this. <laughs> but also for this reason, you know, I've had times in my life where people have hurt me really badly in public in front of many, many people and then maybe come back later and apologize to me in private and I was think, oh, okay, that's nice, thank you, as a first step. But all those hundreds of other people are left out there still thinking those bad things that you put in their head. And unless you also go back and address them, you haven't really address the sin. And so I want to say to you, Bill, and to all your listeners who adore you like I do, that I'm just sorry that I was hurtful to you because of literally what I did not do. I, I was literally exhibit A of not taking my own advice. So mm. well, I just want to, yeah, I just want to, and, and people, that's how he was when I apologized in private too. <laughs> so <laughs> gracious, so perfectly gracious, which I will never forget. I'll well, also you. never forget that he came to my mom's funeral, which was super loving. Mm. He has, as he says, a ministry of showing up and that's what he does. So thank you for being so gracious about that. Now, so when we get stuck in relationships, we're, we're, we're almost always going to be making one or two mistakes. We're seeing the other person's flaws, 
instead of seeing them, or we're not acknowledging our own. So in this particular case, I didn't see Bill clearly, like he's so important to me, like I love him like my own brother, and I need to come back and acknowledge my flaw. Because if I don't see one wrong relationship, there's something weird between us, and if I don't come back and acknowledge my mistake, how is that relationship ever going to get right again? It just doesn't. So if you're in one relationship with anybody in your life, it's just important to ask yourself these two questions. Am I seeing them as they are instead of just seeing their flaws? And am I acknowledging my flaws, whatever they might be, in all humility? Not in self-condemnation because there's no condemnation in Christ, but just humbly thinking, yep, I did that very poorly, and I see that I did. And I claim, yep, I did that poorly. It will get us unstuck pretty much every single time. Mm, so good. Glenn, let's talk about these four words, hear, stop, choose, speak. Yep. Now, they're kind of self-explanatory, but I would like you to walk through them. Absolutely. I always think to myself, here's what, here's what James and Proverbs and all the others are trying to say to us. First, we're supposed to make sure we heard what the other person said and not cut in, not interrupt. We're supposed to be slow to speak, slow to anger, like we're supposed to slow down long to make sure we actually heard what the other person said. Then we're supposed to stop. Because otherwise, we're just going to give our knee-jerk, unthinking, human ego-driven response, which is not helpful to anybody, including myself. Then, when me and God, me and the Holy Spirit have two or three seconds to actually choose how we want to respond, then it's my turn to speak. And so, when James talks about be slow to speak, I think, right, listen carefully, stop, choose your words with God's help, and then start talking. And I think every time we do it right, that's what we do. Every time we do it wrong, that's what we don't do. <laughs> so it's just mm-hmm. important to understand. We need to get those four things right. Those are not four w- words that would be hard to memorize. Hear, right. stop, choose, speak. Thank you. Perfect. Um, yeah. So it just takes a little bit of practice of putting that in your memory bank. So when you have that memorized and it's floating around in the front part of your brain, when you have something that comes in, you can right. say, oh, here's that time I need those four words. Yep. Hear, stop, choose, speak. Right. I love it. Yep. So when James says, 119 says, be slow to speak and slow to anger, I think, right, he's basically saying the same thing. Give the light. Give God's truth. Just learn to actually show up. So instead of your ego responding or your little human side chattering before your brain is actually engaged, make sure that you're actually choosing. And that means you and God are having a very brief conversation, and then you come back in the room and say whatever God has helped you be clear about what you want to say. Mm-hmm. It's Beautiful advice right from God's Word, and we can uh, probably want to memorize James one nineteen as well. Slow yeah. to speak and slow to anger, and that uh, right. will help you. Because our anger does not work for the righteousness of God, it says. And I think, yep, yeah. <laughs> the kingdom is not brought about by my fast lips. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We we're talking about getting unstuck today. And if you've been in one of those situations, uh, we can get you out of slavery through the Word of God. And uh, just stay with us. We're going to continue our discussion. Glenn has got a lovely offer at his website. Go to drglennpickering.com and you can request a free consultation. He'll talk to you for 20 minutes. And I promise what you're going to get in 20 minutes is going to be very powerful. He also uh, has his notes from today. It's uh, right at his website under the resource tab. If you just scroll down and go to media and that will pop up and it says interview outlines. You can just uh, click on May 19th, which I believe is today's date. We'll be right back.
Thanks for tuning into the show today. Glad to have uh, you with me and uh, have Dr. Glenn Pickering as my guest today. We're talking about when you feel stuck, which is never a fun place to be. But we uh, chatted in the first uh, segment of just about trying to get unstuck and then try to get unstuck in our relationships. And now we're going to talk about trying to get unstuck in our ministries. And right before we went to break, I was just letting you know that uh, Glenn's notes are available at his website at drglennpickering.com. And I said you go onto the resources down to the media page, and it'll pop up, and it's right there. He does have it listed as May 19th, and it really is today's the 17th, but I'm calling it the week of this week. <laughs> I love it. I love this it. This week. So that's always nice. Okay, Glenn, let's talk about uh, getting unstuck in our ministries. Love it. I, um, Henry Ford famously said, um, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. <laughs> So good. Because our thinking so drives what happens to us. And so in Mark 6, here Jesus comes home. I mean, the Son of God comes back to his hometown. And and it says, and he could do no mighty works there. And he marveled at their unbelief because Mm -hmm. they thought, well, he can't be the Christ. We know that kid when he was growing up and he got into trouble all the time. Like (laughs) somehow that didn't fit their picture of what the Christ would look like. And so because they literally didn't believe that he could do anything in their lives, he couldn't. I mean, it's just like Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can be blessed or whether you believe you can't, either way, you're right. And um, so, whereas Jesus says in Matthew 7, exactly the opposite, the flip side of that, ask and it shall be given unto you. Like, so in our ministry, we're supposed to be dreaming big. And now, just to be clear, because I don't want people to get confused, ministry just means... Whatever it is that's happening right in front of you. So sometimes people say, well, God, I wish I could do ministry. And I think, boy, you don't get ministry. You think it's a job that people do someone at a church building by themselves. And I think, nope. Whether you are with your friend, your kid, your grandkid, your uncle, or just talking to God or in nature or taking care of the baby or talking to a group of 10,000 people, it doesn't matter. Your ministry is literally whatever is happening right in front of you. So I just need you to all understand that is your ministry. Sometimes people say, well, Glenn, what's my calling? How am I supposed to know my purpose? And I said, I don't know. Who showed up in your life today? And they name a couple things and things that happen and maybe even a few little miracles that happen. And then they say, but, but I really want to know my calling. <laughs> How do I know my calling? And I say, who showed up in front of you today? Because you're going to notice there's a pattern there. And as soon as you realize who keeps kind of showing up in front of your life, you're going to realize, oh, well, that's my ministry. Right. So just understand, all of you, when I talk about your ministry and getting stuck in your ministry, I'm not talking about those of you who here and there who have a full-time job working in the church. I mean, all of you are engaged in ministry with whoever shows up in front of you. These are the people God has brought into your life for you to care for or learn from. And it's important that we honor both of those things. So, um, so. Asking shall be given unto you, Jesus says. And then James in 4.2 says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask. And which is crazy that we don't. So just last night I was, uh, I go to this little church and we're, we have some autistic kids in our church. And so um, we're going to try and do a Bible, a vacation Bible study this summer for specifically for the kids who have autism. And I got asked to serve in the committee since, you know, I'm autistic. <laughs> kind of an obvious choice, I guess, really. <laughs> 
And and I loved being at that meeting because we could have been talking about, okay, how do we do a ministry for the half a dozen kids in our church that we know have some autism sort of struggles? But we were instead talking about, yeah, how can we create a program and how can we let all the churches around us know that we're doing that? How can we connect up with all the other leaders around us? How can we get in touch with the moms and dads of autistic kids groups? How can we talk to the people who work with autistic kids? How can we let everybody know that we want to do this thing to help the kids who have those particular struggles? And we could just have thought, no, how do we help the five kids we know about? We could just think, we actually have no idea what God wants to do with this. Let's see. So instead of putting sort of artificial limits on it, we don't have to put other limits on it either, like, oh, unless 200 kids show up as a failure. We don't know. But we, I just need to know whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And it's especially true in ministry. And so many people get stuck in their ministry because they just don't think they can have what they want. And so it's like James says, you know, you don't have what you want because you don't ask. And people think, well, Glenn, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be self-centered. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look like I'm selfish. I don't want to fail. So we don't ask. And... um so, of course, we don't get what we want in our life and our ministry and the work that we're trying to do in people's lives because we literally don't ask. And um, I just think no matter what your ministry is, whether you're speaking on the radio, taking care of kids, doesn't matter. You need to start your ministry every day with a prayer and just ask that God really, really move powerfully through you to help those people that God brings into your life and to learn from the people that God brings into your life in whatever way that's going to happen. And whether you serve people who are 83 or 3, prom- I promise, promise you, there are things to teach you. Mm-hmm. And they have care that you need to receive from you. And it doesn't matter who you're in front of. So Jesus tells this parable about, you know, the mustard seed that um, starts off a little, grows into this great big bush. And people, that's not where the story ends, but that's where people tend to stop quoting the story. And then they want to give a sermon about how, you know, the kingdom of God starts small, grows to this really big thing. And I think, yep, there's truth to that. But that's not where the story ends. Jesus said, so it grows in this great big bush so that even birds of the air can make nests in its branches. See, our vision is never about us. It's never even about just the people we think we're serving. It will always extend so far beyond that that we don't even know. So we need to understand, instead of thinking, well, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be all self-centered. I don't want to ask. I don't look greedy. We need to understand. We're not just asking for ourselves. It's about all the birds who are going to be blessed by our obedience. So... We can't let any of that thinking, that wrong thinking, I don't want to look greedy, I don't want to be selfish, I don't know if I can do it, get in the way of whatever God's doing in our ministry, whatever that looks like. Great thoughts, Glenn. I wonder if if the word ministry is is a word that makes people feel a little nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, so I remember one of my guests who's going to be on the show tomorrow, Dr. Mark Muska, he said, I'd love for people to uh, swap out the word pray with the word talk. Oh, sure. And when you think, well, would you just talk to God for a while? I go, well, I'll do that. Right. No, would you pray? And people freak out a little bit. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Right. Yeah, exactly. What if, what if I do it wrong? Yeah, yeah, what if I do it wrong? Uh, I've heard yeah. other people pray better than me. Right. And I don't want to look foolish. Right. Yep. So c- c- have someone else pray. Right. So the word is c- a block for people. And you think, well, ministry, right. this is, and I love what you said, who's in front of you today? Right. That's perfect. Right. That's your ministry. Yes. I just wonder if there's a, another word that would be a little bit more user-friendly. Well, that's part of why I talk about caring about those people and about learning from them. Because if we understand, that's what ministry is. I care for those people in my life and I learn from them because just like I have gifts to offer them, they have gifts to offer me. So maybe instead of calling it ministry, we can just talk about giving and receiving gifts or being there for each other or lifting one another up like Paul talks about so often. Mm-hmm. Just being aware of being 
present in right. your in, L- literally in, that's when you're you know, when true. you're present you think right. okay what is in front of me right now wow right. Right. there's a person that needs uh, a, a loving word some encouragement right. a listening ears all kinds yeah. of stuff right or has something that they need to teach me I know no I I, I um hmm. I think this all the time to myself that, um, I mean, I have lots of things to teach my clients when they come to see me, of course, but I learn things from my clients every day. And it's super helpful to me. I just always want to be open to whatever God is teaching me, whatever God is showing me, because everything I learn there, I'm probably going to be able to use when I talk to other people. And I just really want to be open to that learning. And sometimes people say, well, Glenn, you must have seen it all by now. And I think, no, here's the really cool thing. Every person that comes to see me is on their unique journey. So, do I see overall patterns? Sure. And every single person's life is really a very sacred journey that they're on that's unique to them. Mm-hmm. And so, so is everybody who appears in front of every one of our listeners. They have their unique story to tell. They have their unique gifts to share. And it's important for us to care for them and to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Glenn, re- uh, remind everybody how important it is to ask. And, and I think a great illustration comes from Mark 10, Bartimaeus' oh, story. Right. I love that story. I so do too. Jesus, a whole bunch of us... Disciples, they're leaving Jericho, heading towards Jerusalem. They pass blind Bartimaeus, begging at the side of the road, who learns that Jesus, he says, Jesus, son of David, kept mercy on me. He keeps yelling. People tell him to shut up because he's annoying. But nope, he keeps yelling. <laughs> Finally, Jesus says, okay, bring him over. So here's the blind beggar Bartimaeus standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? <laughs> Every time I read this story, I laugh out loud. Like, well, let's see, I'm a blind beggar. <laughs> maybe maybe we can start with that. <laughs> But then Bartimaeus says, I wish to receive my sight. And then Jesus is like, done. You're right. Because God will not violate my free will. He will not. Mm. That's why I have to ask. Because until I'm open to receiving the blessing, I can't receive the blessing. Not because God's withholding it, because he won't force me to do anything. So, Glenn, here's more of a pastoral question. Is yes. When people say, well, maybe I get nervous to ask God for things, because right. at the end of the day, isn't it thy will be done, not my will be done? And... He is sovereign and in control of my life, so right. well, how do so I... If I really understood his sovereignty, his sovereignty is to make me happy. <laughs> which, sounds, that. which sounds a little silly, and I promise, but I promise I'm dead serious about that. When Jesus said, ask and I shall be given unto you, we need to think, we need to sort of drop all of our old thoughts and think, okay, if my little kid comes to me, or my little granddaughter and says, Granddaddy, Grandpa, can you help me? I don't think only if it's important enough. I think, yeah, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. Love that you came to me. I'm so happy. I, it touches my heart that you would ask me. I mean, I... A loving relationship. Yes. Every response I have to that request is like, oh my gosh, I'd be so happy to help you. Whether it's with some big problem or just tying your shoe, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so we just need to understand, when we come to God and ask for what we want, God doesn't think, well, what about my way? God's like, oh, wait. Because here's the thing. Who do you think put those things in our heart? I'm really just asking God to help me use in a powerful way the gifts that he gave me. Mm. What if the things that you think God put on your heart, he did not, in <laughs> fact, put on your heart? Here's the thing. Then he'll give me something better. Okay. Because, see, the answer to my request, that's why Jesus said, ask and I shall be given unto you. Now, he doesn't say what it means, but the, either the thing you're asking for will be given to you or some better version of that that will be better for you than even you realize right now will be given unto you. But it... The most perfect gift I could give you for that request will be given to you. Now, um, this happened to me just a little while ago. I was 
pastor asked if he could meet with me, and he's referred a lot of clients to me. And I thought, oh, sure, fine. And thinking, you know, that's what he's going to do. And, um, but actually, he wanted to talk to me about his brother who was really sick, and he couldn't really talk to anybody in his congregation about that. And I was so touched by that, and it's so powerful that he was asking me to be helpful about that. So I asked God, you know, that this meeting be a blessing. And it was a blessing. Not the blessing I was expecting, but a way bigger one, a way better one, a way more important one, a way deeper one than that. And I walked away so touched by that and so glad that I was able to be of help to my brother. It's like just so powerfully good. So did God bless that meeting? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the way I expected? No. In something so much higher than that, I couldn't have even guessed it. Mm-hmm. Glenn, I know because we do radio, and we we have a certain amount of time, and yep. you, say, <laughs> you say some things... And, and some pins get knocked over and some are left standing, right? Okay, yep. Which is what happens often when I bowl, <laughs> like almost always. Sleeper pin. All right. I know. Uh, and then a comment came in that I say, I disagree entirely. God does not necessarily want you to be happy in the moment. Here's the interesting thing. The two surest signs of God's presence are peace and joy. And so if I'm really with God, and God is really working with me, doing ministry with me, really with me. I will feel at peace and I will feel joyful. And that's God's will for me. So when it says God gives us a peace that passes all understanding, I think, right. God literally wants good for us, period. And God won't give us anything that's not good for us. So all of those of you who are doing ministry, even if your ministry is taking care of your three-year-old, it's important to remember not to hold yourself back on how great that ministry can be. But Jesus said, I came that you might have a life in heaven in abundance. So it's important that we not limit what God might be trying to do in our ministry, our caring for others, our learning from others. Be open to the thought that that might be way bigger and way more important than you can even imagine. And then you're probably right. Mm-hmm. Very cute comment from a listener. Obey word triggered my friend because her dad was harsh and used it a lot. Oh, right. She loved to cook, so the Lord was sweet with her and would... And, and, with her and would substitute follow my recipe. Thank you. I love Isn't that. that. Sweet? Isn't right. that sweet? Do we have a minute to talk about that or do we have to come back? Uh, we have a minute. Okay. Obey is one of those words that it's a Christian concept, but then we apply a worldly definition. Like obey means I boss you around and you have to do it. But here's what obey means from a biblical godly perspective. God says, Glenn, the last 1,422 times I asked you to do something, it turned out I asked you to do something because it was in your best interest. So Next time I ask you to do something and you will be obedient, that just means you're willing to do what I ask you because you're so sure that the God who's looking out for you, who only wants good for you, is asking you to do this because it will be good for you. Okay. That's what obedience means from a biblical perspective. Okay. I believe that God wants good for me. That's why I say okay. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about being getting unstuck. So when you're stuck and how to break out of slavery, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. When we come back, we're going to talk about getting unstuck in our spiritual, emotional life. You can go learn about him at drglennpickering.com. We'll be right back. Just join me. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about getting unstuck, and we're going to now uh, transition into getting unstuck in our spiritual and emotional life. 
I love that one. Um, so Moses says to God, you know, okay, you sent me to talk to these people. Who am I going to say sent me? I mean, what, what do you want me to say to them? I wish you can imagine his confusion. Let's see, I'm going to talk to this whole group of people who don't like me and think I'm a murderer. What, what am I going to say to them? And God says, tell them I am sent you. And I think, right, because God exists in the eternal right now. Every time I have a conversation with God, a prayer time with God, a meeting with God, a leading of the Holy Spirit, it happens in the exact present moment. So when you were talking a second ago, Bill, about, you know, we could rename ministry by just being present, I think, right, because everything godly happens in this eternal right now. So, but unfortunately for many of us, we either spend a lot of our time looking backwards and, you know, kicking ourselves for the mistakes we made or things we did wrong, or I wish if only I could do it over again. I mean, we can spend our whole life wishing we'd done some other part of our life over again. Instead of thinking, no, 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 I'm just supposed to learn from that lesson and start doing that differently starting, you know, right now in this eternal, sacred, right now moment. But so when Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, nobody puts his hand in the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom. You know, I grew up in a little more legalistic sort of tradition, and I heard that sort of harshly. But now I get Jesus wasn't trying to be harsh, just factual. God is always saying to me, Glenn, I'm trying to create an amazing new life for you going forward, starting from where you are right now and going forward from here. Are you coming? Well, every moment I look back in the path, and oh, yeah, but back here I did this, and they did that to me. And it's like the answer to the question, hey, Glenn, I'm trying to create an amazing new life for you going forward. Are you coming? It's actually no. And so when Jesus says we're not fit for the kingdom, he's not being judgmental. He says you're not a bad person. He's just saying that mindset of being stuck in the past will literally get in the way of my being able to do whatever kingdom work God has for me, like right in front of me. Hmm. Which is why when you talked just a second ago about ministry, meaning being present, I think that is powerfully true. So when you talk about trying to seek control of the future. Oh, yeah. If we're, and so if we're not busy, you know, kicking ourselves for the past, right. we're trying to be in control of the future. Mm. Make sure everything comes out the way it's supposed to, which just means the way my little ego brain thinks it's supposed to. <laughs> which, right. You know, that's, my little and ego is so limited. We're it's all like, entitled to our little oh, ego brain, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we have one, so apparently we are, but... We have access to this, this little <laughs> yes, right. testy thing, right? Right. But every time we do that, it, gets, it makes us anxious. And so when Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34, be not anxious about tomorrow, let today's troubles be sufficient for the day. In other words, be where you are. We get all we get depressed and sort of regretful and sorrowful when we look back in the past. We get all anxious when we look forward to the future. And Jesus is just trying to say, if you want to be at joy and be peaceful, you need to be here. If you want to do ministry, same answer, you need to be here. You have to be present. Now, and so... If we're, if we're looking back in the past and kicking ourselves or trying to control how the future should go, it damages our spiritual life, our ability to connect with God, and our emotional life, which is our ability to connect with ourselves, which is why every spiritual discipline, literally every discipline you do, prayer, reading the scriptures, being quiet in nature, caring for others, writing in your gratitude journal, they're all just ways of helping you to actually be present. Because if I want to experience God's presence... I do that in the present. Mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of day Jesus was having when he said, be not <laughs> anxious about tomorrow, let today's uh-huh. troubles be sufficient for the day. Yes. You, know, you never know when he said that, what oh, kind of gosh, yes. problems might have been going on in Absolutely. his life, in his right. world, in his ministry, right? right? 
Right. Even if you just think about the 12 guys who traveled with them. Exactly. And the women who traveled with them taking care of them all. <laughs> what are the odds that somewhere in that group of 30 or 40 or 100 people says distress and turmoil and drama right. stuff happening? And he could have been just, you know, always bringing such a sanity to right. the chaos and say, right. we've got enough problems today. How about if we just do <laughs> the thing that's right in front of us? Yeah. How about if you care for the people that God brings to you today? In mm-hmm. fact, honestly, I think if we were all super intentional about living a godly life, we would start every morning by saying, God, help me to be lovingly present to every person you put on my path today. Ooh, and and that, we'd be saying that all through our day. Help me be lovingly present to every person you bring to me today. I wonder how much that would change people. Honestly, it's, you know, we talked a couple times ago when I was on here, and I know you do this a lot too, but just saying hi to people who you don't know or just noticing people, mm-hmm. just, just walking down and saying hi to them or just like that guy at the bank who you went to buy the right. coffee for. It's like just literally seeing the people who are in front of us and then finding a way to serve them or to learn from them changes that whole part of our day. So when we spend time looking back or right. we try to figure out how to control the future, right? Um, what does this do to our our ability to connect with God. It messes with it all together because God is always in the present right here, right now, waiting to talk to me. So if God is in my living room, always wants to talk to me, and I'm off sitting in the room of a house I used to live in or sitting in my imagination in a house I'm going to live in sometime, mm-hmm. I'm not in my living room where God is. So I just want to be where God is, and God is right here, right now. Yeah, and you have to understand that the present moment is what we have. Right, exactly. And exactly. to think that, well, you know, six years from now or right. a month from now, right. we go, well, we're not promised that. No, and the Bible is so clear. Why, why do you make plans about this or that? You should say, God willing, because nobody is, tomorrow is promised to nobody, which is why we have to ask every single day, God, help me to be loving, caring to every single person you bring to me today. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we can ask for that will always have integrity. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to need to equip yourself to right. slow down then. Right, and to actually notice them notice, all. Yep. yep, and yep. be willing to listen Right, and to let them finish their thought without interrupting. <laughs> right. I mean, is that yep. is that a good recipe? Yep. Follow the recipe? Yep, listen, stop, <laughs> choose, then talk. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how if I really stop and listen and just try and say the words that the Spirit puts on my heart, it's amazing to me how few of them there are. You know, how legal, few thoughts there are? No, how few words. Oh, words, like, yeah. It's sort of, like if somebody says something, oh, my life's really hard today. You know, I want to give a lecture. I want to talk about my experience. <laughs> I want to do all right. kinds of stuff. But really, God says, oh, well, that does seem hard. What happened? And if I'm just really listening, I get a real small number of words. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's so important to be heard, isn't it? Yes. And I think it's so much what we all want. So... We talked about needing to capture our thoughts about relationships and about ministry. And so here's what I want ask people to capture your thoughts about spiritual and emotional life. We need to capture any thought that says, oh, I'm too busy to pray right now. Or any obsession we have with the past. So if only I could go back and do that over again. Any of our attempts to control the future and plan it all out in detail, like any, that's going to happen anyway. And we just need to replace them with the truth, as we always do, which is that God is here right now cares for us right now, is guiding us right now, and what's good for us right now. We just need to keep coming back to what's true. That should move us to a place of freedom. 
Right. Wouldn't exactly. It? Yes. Mm-hmm. Freedom from all the guilt and shame and bitterness about the past. Freedom from all the anxiety about thinking I need to be in charge and making sure everything happens right next week on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I mean, it's like... We drop all of that and just be present. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said, then you can have the peace that passes understanding. I think right, if we're just in this miraculous moment right here, we will always have a powerful sense of peace, always. Mm-hmm. Glenn, always great to have you on. Thank oh, you so thank much you. for talking about getting unstuck and when you're stuck and how to break out of slavery. Dr. Glenn Pickering has been my guest. His notes are available. I think I've had a, um, a way of helping you find them. If you go to drglennpickering.com, and the top panel that says home events services resources you, you click that tab and under the media if you click that you will find the notes from today he's got the scripture verses and everything here if you missed any of it you can always go to the podcast and hear it at myfaithradio.com as a matter of fact i encourage you to do that and to send it to a friend who might be stuck and that would help them so thank you uh for making notes and and making this resource available uh, to all of our listeners. Glenn, thanks again for being here. Yes, may I say to people, may God bless you you richly this week, and may you always embrace the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. Mm, Amen. That is the show for the day. Thank you uh, to Doug Blair and Dr. Michael Youssef and Dr. Glenn Pickering for being such great guests. i got a special uh, lineup for tomorrow. I'm going to tease you. It's not one you're going to want to (laughs) miss. How about that? All right? I actually know the names of the people, but I'm not I'm not saying anything quite yet. So oh, look at you. we'll see All you tomorrow. Right. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.